Um, <clears throat> a million things I want to talk to you about, but I can't get away without talking about Deshaun. How strange was this for you to then, A, know him as a person, uh, B, watch this great player sitting on the sideline all year, C, not know what the league was going to do about him, and B, know that you got to get rid of him. Well, it's quite a bit to stomach there a little bit. Um, as I initially came here as a defensive coordinator last year, of course, I know, you know, I, I, I'm a football fan, so I knew who he was. And um, of course he didn't play for us, but he was on the team early on and uh, was around the facility, you know, a little bit. And every time I talked with him, it was just a minimum amount of times, um, all good. So that's what I know about Deshaun is that um, as you start relating it to our football team, um, when you have a special talent like that, that's not a part of that team, that was a big void that we were missing last year. And, you know, sometimes divorce is good. And that's my statement that I've made a lot of times when, you know, a split's going to happen and both parties are going to win once it does. Um, again, I don't know exactly what all happened. The accusations are there. And if they have merit, that will all come out in time. But for our football team, we needed to move on. All right, welcome into the uh, Chris Collinsworth podcast coming to you live from Orlando, Florida this time around because my granddaughter has her fourth birthday today as we record this so i'm getting ready to go over and put my clown nose on and and to, you know do what i do so anyway but uh, the guy i could use to come along with me is a guy that i've known for a long time mr lovey smith who is now the head coach of the houston texans and uh, i couldn't be happier about it lovey how are you man Hey, Chris, life is good. You know, it's, it's good to kind of hear you talk about being a, we have known each other a long period of time. When you talk about being a granddad, I just became a, a nine-time grandfather. Number 10 is on the way here in another month. So Hello. that is special there for sure. And, but life is good down in Houston. I, I, I tell you, so to me, the best part about being a grandparent they always say you know you have the ability to give them back that's that's the, the standard joke <laughs> True. but my favorite thing is i just lie on the ground and they start jumping on you and it turns into the biggest brawl of all time and you take a few shots you get your eyes poked out a couple <laughs> of times you know you're going to take a few shots to the groin but that's the highlight for me. I, what do you like best? Well, it, it's so many things. We have uh, two sets of twins in there, fraternal oh, wow. and, and identical. And Chris, one of my um, uh, seven-year-old twins, daughter, and uh, she may just get on a roll of, you know, modern technology. She can text. Hey, uh, they call me Papa. Papa, I love you. And I, hey, uh, Maya, I love you. We go back and forth like that. Just... It's just so many things, you know, we're getting ready to take a little bit of time off this summer. Now between soccer games, flag football, basketball, and it's like the Super Bowl to me, you know, just watching your grandkids perform. So pretty neat. 
Oh, I, I can't wait to get back to three and four year old soccer again. That was always one of my favorite things. <laughs> it's too. Something I, else. Isn't it? Oh, I love it. I, I, I just love it. It's, it's the best. You have had quite the journey, my friend. And, and I was going to ask you, obviously you, you had time in college football before, but yes. you went back as the head coach of university of Illinois. Yes. And I'd never seen you with a gray beard before that. Was that the cause <laughs> of it? I, you know, the NIL, <laughs> did it finally break your spirit? What happened? Well, uh, we had a few good moments while we were there, <laughs> but it was um, a tough few years to say the least, but no beard wise, you know, you start getting older and uh, you do things a little differently. You know, I I'm celebrating, let's see, 42 years, you know, married to the same lady. Yes. Uh, this coming year and uh, on vacation one year, you know, you let it go. And she said, you know, I kind of like that a little bit. You know, we pretty much do what our wives tell us to do. So, correct. So, you know what? After a while, I kept it up and uh, and re really haven't gotten rid of it since. So. Oh, my gosh. Well, you have had quite the career. You've been everywhere. You coached in the Super Bowl. You had uh, the great moment with the opening kickoff being returned for a touchdown and it was about as exciting a thing as I've ever seen when Devin Hester took it back and Tony Dungy still to this day he, he loves telling the story of course your old partner in crime Tony and uh, of all week he he just told everybody they weren't going to return it and then on the day of the game he said we're not being like that. We're going to be bold. We're kicking that thing off. And here it comes hundred yards back the other way. Well, give me, I mean, you and Tony are close. I mean, you guys are like, you know, philosophically everything you guys are close in every way, shape or form the old cover two, all the different things. Give me your favorite story out of the Super Bowl and going against Tony. Well, uh, it's not like that surprised me that, you know, you know, you talk about NFL players now to have an NFL player say, okay, I'm not good enough. And I'm going to bow down to a player that just doesn't happen very often. So <laughs> it's not like it surprised us that, that they would do that. But um, those times in Chicago, of course, and a lot of fun memories, of course, Devin is a part of I got a chance to see just about it, Chris, just about every one of his touchdowns that he had. And uh, so that was pretty special that day. And uh, you're always looking for that next Devin Hester. You know, Devin has a couple of boys. So, you know, that talent is definitely in, the, in their bloodline still. So we may have to wait a few years before we get another one like him. We had, uh, I was just watching the, something on social media today. Tyron Matthews' kid took a, a, a jet sweep about 90 down the sideline. Oh, yeah. The gene pool does come into play every once in a while, doesn't it? Well, that's the case. I mean, you know, your boy is the same way. I mean, it, um, but that is how it happens. And I've been in it long enough now to, to think about it, Chris, when you start coaching uh, sons of your former players, mm. <laughs> you know, and I've had a chance to do that a few times. And um, of course, even down right now, we have, you know, some bloodlines in our group right now, special guys, and can't wait to see this next generation come around. I am with you. I am with you. Well, we have so much to talk about in the league and it's, it's, you know, I, I I'm kind of 
known for being brutally honest and with <laughs> what I have to say. And so I'm not going to change here, uh, here as we go along. But this, this for you is the beginning of a process, right? I mean, the Texans aren't the Super Bowl favorite this year. Yeah. Um, you didn't draft a quarterback, which some people thought you might. Um, you did not. You obviously have a bit of a vision, a long-term vision for the Houston Texans. Can you fill us in on it just a little bit? I mean, sure what, what do you see? Because one of the things that people don't understand, and I've explained a couple of times, if I'm not wrong, I think Davis Mills was the number one recruited quarterback coming out of high school, right? He went to Stanford, I think, and yes. um, had a couple of knee injuries, something like that. But, you know, what is your plan? What is the vision? What are you thinking about with this football team? Well, uh, Chris, just, you know, staying on the offensive side, I am a believer in Davis Mills. Um, you know, being in the defensive coordinator's position last year, I got a chance, you know, and David, Davis wasn't starting at first. So um, I got a chance, you know, he went against the number one defense. So I got a chance to see him in a different role. Got a chance to see he's calm. He can make all the throws. He's smart. The guys buy into him. Uh, so I, if you just look at, you, you talk about his background of, of being a heavily recruited player coming out, going to Stanford. All of that is true. He's a lot better athlete than people give him credit for. So as you start looking at the quarterbacks, you know, there's a, each year there's a different group of quarterbacks coming in. We just think ours has a chance to ascend the way others think theirs can. Um, so no, we were all on board with that. You know, Pep Hamilton is our offensive coordinator. And uh, we all agreed that he's a guy that we want to go forward with. And it helps an awful lot when you are, you know, putting your team together that you feel good about a young quarterback on a rookie contract and all of those things for us to start working with the rest of our football team. Now, Yeah, you're right. We're, we're not the Super Bowl favorites uh, this year, uh, but we have the foundation is being built the right way. And, and I think we, you know, eventually we're going to be able to do some things. It's about the quarterback, Chris, but you know, it's got to be so much more. And we're not going to be a good football team until we start playing better defense. Uh, so there's a lot of things that we have to do and feel like we've been addressing those. I'm talking Nick Casero and I, we have a plan and uh, we feel like it's going to work. Well, you certainly addressed it right off the bat. Um, Sauce Gardner was, and, and Derek Steenley were considered one to the quarterback at the cornerback class position. Uh, you have the third overall pick. You end up taking Stingley, uh, who had the phenomenal freshman year, right? I mean, it was. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about that decision. And was there anybody else that was close in the mix as far as a defensive player, or even an offensive player uh, that, that was under consideration? Well, I, I would say that we, you know, more of the defensive players want a consideration than the offensive players. You know, we had talked about the quarterback, we feel good about our quarterback. So I feel like the, the defensive group was what we needed to focus on. There were some other linemen that we, we really liked a lot, but cornerback, you just look at the way the league is going right now at the cornerback position. Um, 
cornerback. I mean, it's hard to get, I think, I mean, there's how many elite cornerbacks are there out there? And when you can get one at a young age, I mean, that, that's, uh, you're going somewhere. You mentioned Sauce Gardner. I loved him. He's going to be a heck of a football player. He's a football junkie. He'll tackle. So uh, we liked him an awful lot too, but we, we love Derek. I, you know, we had a chance to bring both guys here, but we just thought Derek was what would, you know, fit us best. You mentioned, uh, you know, what he did earlier in his career. I just look first off, I'm a trait guy and Derek can jump as high as anybody. He's as fast as anyone. He's a six feet corner that'll tackle. And when you meet him, you know, um, he's confident. And again, I, you know, sometimes it just, you just, you know, I met my wife on a blind date. I knew it right then. I went home that night, told my roommate, she was the one I was going to marry. <laughs> and when, when I, when I met Derek, I just, it just kind of felt right. And I saw him being a part of our team. And we had a third pick. You can, it's a good chance, whatever we want, we're going to get a chance to do. And that's how it happened. Well, I, I, it is interesting that, um, you know, you, you come down to a lot of times the great debate on defense for the common man like me usually comes down to edge rusher or cornerback, right? Yes. And, and I think that you can take that one of two ways, you know, if you're going to be a man coverage team, you've got, you could have the chance to take away their number one receiver. If you have somebody who's truly an elite pass rusher, they may never get to that number one receiver. There were some good pass rushers uh, in this draft and, and a few left on the board. Did that ever get close? Did you ever think about that? Yeah. I mean, there were, there were some, and I, I, you know, my background a little bit, you, it starts up front D line. We're a four man, four man front. They're the engine of our defense. Uh, we blitz, but we want to be able to get pressure with our, our front four. So we liked a lot of the guys there, but uh, I, I think as you look at the landscape of the NFL right now, it's hard finding corners uh, that we feel fit with what we do. Now, you know, you know, Chris, since I, since we drafted Derek, I've heard an awful lot. Hey, love you. Why would you guys take him? You guys aren't, that's not who you play with. You play with cover two corners. First off, what's the cover two corner? That's a guy that can't cover, I guess, but <laughs> no, but for us, I, we play cover two and we want our corners to be able to tackle. Yes. And be tough, but whether we have success or not, it's going to be based on how we play man coverage. And so we definitely have a place. If you're a great man coverage guy with ball skills, and that's what Derek is. I mean, he, yeah, he can guard anybody one-on-one, -on -one, but he has ball skills also. And let's start talking football with him and how he sees the game. No, we have a place for an elite athlete that can play man coverage. And, uh, I think being in a system where you also play zone only helps him even more. Hey, I, <clears throat> most of those cornerback interceptions come from somebody trying to hit it in that, uh, what they call it the honey hole or whatever in behind that cover too. And those great cornerbacks have a way of turning those into turnovers right there. Yes, they do. And um, that's what we think that 
he can. If we drafted, you know, our defensive back, one of the traits we are looking for, you have to have ball skill. And because this is about the takeaways on the defensive side of the football. Yes, about taking away the number one receiver, but um, we want eyes on the ball as much as possible. And, and that's how you win football games. Um, I've got so much respect for you on so many different fronts. And uh, we've had a lot of conversations, but Bill O'Brien, David Culley, and then the Brian Flores thing happened. And there wasn't uh, a black coach that was being hired until they hired you. Um, I'm sure you were approached a million different times and this issue is not going away either, right? I mean, there is there are always challenges of why isn't this great coach getting an opportunity to be a head coach? Why isn't this great coach getting a second opportunity to be a head coach when others are? You've been around this as long as I have. Where are we with this and how do we get better? Well, where we are, you know, Chris is you just look at the numbers and um, hey, I was fortunate this year to get another opportunity, but the numbers are down. There were time uh, earlier in my career where I think there were eight men leading teams that looked like me. And then all of a sudden down to pretty much one or two on why that happens. I mean, and what's that saying? I mean, what is that saying? And that we can't lead? No, I think we can lead. Uh, there are qualified uh, coaches out there, but it comes down to a matter of preference on, yeah, who you feel comfortable with. And I don't have any of the answers on why, but I know there are a lot of qualified black men that look like me that can lead NFL franchises. Um, Does the conversation ever change until the makeup in the ownership of the NFL changes? I mean, right? Uh, well, I, we were like, okay, uh, glass is half <clears throat> full. Glass is half full. Yeah, if we get some black representation and owner in ownership positions, maybe that will change it. But I don't know now. I I kind of you know history kind of tells you and. What's happening right now is just where we are. Maybe, you know, Chris, where we are in society too. You know, there's a time when, you know, maybe in the 70s, you know, we saw progress being made and seemed like we've taken a step back in so many different ways. You would think sports would be one that's leading the, in the forefront. And the NFL, you look at an NFL, most of the NFL, you see black athletes, a lot of, you know, it's about our product we put on the field, uh, I guess. I'm, I'm throwing out a lot of things just like you are. I do not know the reason why it's that way. And to think that it's going to get a whole lot better, I don't know. This is what, and we all have to kind of analyze what we can do to help. What I can do to help as a black man leading an NFL franchise is that um, there are qualified people out there. To me, you know, some of us are in the fourth quarter of our career, and it's about the young people coming into the profession. We don't want them to be discouraged. And I make a point of going beyond to try to find young black guys that want to get into the coaching profession to put them in positions where they can show exactly what they can do. 
offensive coordinator. You, we hear an awful lot, right, Chris, about right. offense, black offensive coordinators in the league. Well, Pep Hamilton is a black offensive coordinator in the league, and he will be calling offensive plays for us. He's as smart as anyone around. He is. When we get in positions like this, we need to do well. But people, and, and then maybe people will look at our model and say, yeah, we can do that. Because eventually, I think all owners want their teams to be successful. This year was very interesting for me as a former wide receiver to watch the amount of money flowing into <laughs> our position, our collective position, right? Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, like, here we yeah. go. They, they, people finally sold their souls to get the best players at that position and teams were ultimately you know they crossed some threshold with the green bay packers and with the kansas city chiefs um you had that decision to make this year as well your organization did with brandon cooks he got 36 million dollars guaranteed for a couple of years tell me about the uh, the decision and exactly what's happening now with that position well i First off, that's where the league is going. And you mentioned those guys, they're game changers and everybody wants a game changer. You mentioned Brandon Cooks, um, ultimate leader, shows up every day, just does it the right way. And he's a good football player. He can impact the game. So I understand receivers starting to get that type of money, just like the quarterback is, is getting paid too. And now I'm gonna go back to why we chose to draft um, Derek, you know, use the third pick that someone has to be able to get in front of those guys. And that's why to me, the next group crop is, would be the cornerbacks getting paid more and more because what we ask them to do, and it's just, there's more receivers, I think really good receivers than there are really good cornerbacks out there, but that's where our game is going also, which should be all just great for the fans. Yeah, the AFC South in general has really taken a turn for the interesting here. Uh, Matt Ryan over to Indianapolis now. You've got to yes. think that that's going to be a you know a nice little pop for them. AJ Brown leaves the division, which probably didn't break your heart. He goes on to <laughs> Philadelphia. To, uh, Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson. The South was in the news a little bit. Anything stick out to you as far as the changes in the South? Because it had sort of been, you know, a sort of battle between Indianapolis and Tennessee and then Houston and Jacksonville uh, at the next level. Your take now on the South. Well, uh, you know, being, you know, being one year in it, um, Tennessee was the best team in AFC last year. And uh, we split with them and had an opportunity to beat them a second time. So um, AFC, we, we, feel, we feel good about eventually getting into the mix. Whenever uh, you mentioned Trayvon Walker, first player in the draft, when he goes someplace, that has to get your attention. And it got, I really liked him as a football player also as a defensive lineman. And, and you also mentioned Matt Ryan course he's been he's been a great quarterback when all you know all-time great quarterbacks you know has done so much for our game so for one of our teams to also add him to the mix just says that we have to keep our talent level coming up it's going to be a competitive uh, division and that's the NFL you know to me uh, teams that other some may have ranked 
you know, fairly low, they can make that climb. And then just NFL in general of each year, that cycle seemed like somebody that was down, you know. The Bengals. You know, yeah, and Chris, you're, you know, your team. I mean, the Bengals last year, uh, they had four wins the year before like we did. So it just kind of gives you hope on what can happen. And then for us, when the schedule came out, you know, you had a draft and then you had the schedule coming out. And for us, you, you're, you don't need a lot to motivate you, but, you know, in our case, when you get a chance to play a division opponent at home to start your season, you can kind of see now what you have to, you know, what you're kind of shooting for. And I mentioned how the AFC went for us last year. The Colts dominated us last year. So I know our guys are anxious to see if we can, you know, be more competitive this year. Something tells me you will. You got uh... – you, you saved my butt. I came out strong on Kenyon Green in the draft, and everybody was beating me up a little bit. And I said, I'm just telling people that I am only about pass protection. At the end of the day, I want to see somebody <laughs> who can stand in front of anybody else for at least two and a half seconds and not get humiliated. And I thought Kenyon Green had some of the best pass protection skills and quick feet that I saw you guys take him with the number 15 pick. Obviously, you thought highly of him, too. Yes, we did. George Warhop, uh, Hal Hunter, our offensive, our, you know, offensive line coaches, we all were in agreement, Pep Hamilton. Uh, we liked him. He's a local guy, too. And just more research you did as we're building, you have to take care of your lines. And I love protection also. We talk about David's meals and what he can do. First, it's about getting that, you know, solidifying that offensive line. We have some veterans, of course, in Laramie Tonsil and Titus Howard, but to get a young guard in there, uh, we were just related a little bit when we had an opportunity to take him. He's on, of course, he's in our facility now, uh, growing, and uh, he's going to help us, eventually going to help us win a lot of games. Started guard. Well, he moved uh, started guard because he looked like he had tackle feet where he could, if needed, make that adjustment too. Well, we'll keep Titus and uh, Larry out at the tackle position. Uh, and yes, Kenyon will be playing guard for us this year. Beautiful. Now, final question for you. 365 days from now, when you're coach of the year and I'm begging you and I'm having to pay you NIL money to get you back on the program. <laughs> what happened? How did, how did it get there? What, what, how can this team be the Cincinnati Bengals show up in the Super Bowl? Give me what has to happen for this football team. Well, you know, Chris, last year, I didn't think we were good enough talent wise too. you know, we need to do a better job coaching. I think, we were good enough to really contend talent-wise. That's why I mentioned Nick Casario earlier. Uh, we're on the same page on what we're looking for, the profile that we're looking for at every position. And I, our talent level is better. I love our coaching staff. So it's that. It's talent, and then it's coaching staff. You start with those two things. I love both of them, and that's how we're going to do it. We, show, we saw signs. And, and, but right now we're just going to, we're just going to be out of sight, out of mind a little bit, uh, working on our craft behind the scene. And that's how, and we go back to the Bengals. 
I think it helps when you see that someone else has done it and the way they did it. You know, behind the scene, nobody gave them a lot of credit, but you can do that in NFL. I mean, everybody has the same salary cap, you know, so you, you can pay money, you know, legally, uh, of course, in NFL, you can. So that's how we're going to do. Bengals didn't make a single appearance on Sunday night football until the Super Bowl. So, hey, who's to say this could be it? This could be the story. Love you. It's always a great pleasure, my friend, to talk with you and uh, always cheering for you and wishing nothing but the best. Anytime at all, Chris. You're a football guy, man. We love talking football with you. Take care. <laughs>